Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I discuss geocaching and my adventures with it. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Geocache Adventures Facebook page. You can also sign up for the Geocache Adventures newsletter, which features upcoming episode information, behind the scenes articles, and other fun articles and information. This interview was recorded using Zoom and may sound different than other podcast audio. Hello, everybody. Amy, Shadow Dragon One here, and I'm here with Ron Eust, fellow geocacher and creator of the GeoGo geocaching app. Thank you so much for joining us, Ron. I'm glad to be here. So if you don't mind me asking to start out, what's your geocaching name? Spirit Guide. Spirit Guide. I like it. So how long have you been geocaching? Uh, since 2007. I think I started in the spring of 2007. Okay, so just over four years now. Or no, no 14 no, years no, now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's been longer oh. than that. Uh, Math is not my friend today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a long time. <laughs> oh, you... Mike has talked about your stats on the Where Is It Now podcast, and you are, did, did you pass 11,000, or are you right at just below, was it 11,000? We, we were having a little contest to see who could reach 12,000 first, 12, and I was a little under 12,000, and he was a lot under 12,000, <laughs> but uh, uh, at the uh, MOGA, I did pass 12,000. That's impressive. How did you get into geocaching? Uh, I had seen an article or something about it, and it just appealed to me, the idea of going outdoors, something high tech and looking and uh, thinking about puzzles and things like that. And it just it appealed to me. So I just jumped in. I bought a real cheap GPS. And at the time, things were very uh, manual, I would say. There were no phone apps, things like that. Uh, so I got started in the early days. Well, speaking of fun apps, you have created GeoGo. What made you decide to create your own geocaching app? Uh, well, I do some app development on the side. And early on, there was nothing really out there. So I thought, well, I'll just create an app for me to use uh, You know, before the app days there was always people just print out paper or put it on a, a gps so i started working on my own app for my benefit and it just kept growing from there uh, at one point i realized that GroundSpeak was focusing more on the uh, new geocaches or more a simple use of uh, geocaching app and so i kept updating mine and made it uh, available on Google Play for others to download. So it's just, it's been growing from that point. When did you first develop it? Uh, around 2007. Uh, okay. it's, so it's, it's uh, been out there uh, maybe late 2007, 2008 timeframe that, that uh, I've been using it. So nearly all of those 12,000 caches have been found with the app, you know, various versions of the app on various Android devices. 
So at what version did you put it on Google Play? Was it out I there had early a, on or what did that Yes, yeah, so that early on and maybe uh, 2008, 2009, I had a free version uh, with a different name. Uh, and then when Groundspeak updated their API to the latest one, I uh, rebranded it as GeoGo and started uh, charging for it. Okay. And that's, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's $4.99 US dollars on the Google Play app? Yes. And there's an enhanced version that with a subscription of uh, basically 99 cents per six months. And that subscription pays for the service charges I'm, I incur uh, for the features that use third-party services. Okay. Hey everybody, just wanted to pause the interview real quick to insert a little side note here. Just wanted to make sure it was clear that the subscription is for additional advanced features. You do not have to have a subscription. You could just buy the app and not sign up for those additional features. So the subscription is just for additional advanced features, but it is not required to just use the app in general. Just wanted to make sure we made that clear. And now we'll get back to the interview. Your app is, I've looked at the website and it is just, it's almost overwhelming. All the features that you, you show on there. It, it does all the standard navigate to the cache, find the caches, but you have so many more features. What is really the biggest difference between your app and the official Groundspeak app? Uh, it's kind of well, a loaded question. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, like I mentioned earlier, that uh, it seems like the Groundspeak app is focusing more on uh, beginners or more a simple geocaching activities. And I think that's what they should do. That's kind of the, the, the base and foundation for uh, a geocaching app. Uh, but GeoGo is for more advanced geocaching for geocachers that need uh, more sophisticated features than you can get in the, the basic app. And yes, it's got some realize sometimes more features than I can even remember myself, but it, it keeps growing, you know, either something I want to do or something someone else has wanted to do. Uh, and it's just uh, uh, very full feature. The, some of the major things I think uh, others really download it for there's you know, a big one is they can't county boundaries. Uh, it's the only app that tracks your county fines internally and displays the county boundaries and shades them on the map in the app. Uh, there's no other app that does the shading and, and a monitoring like that. Uh, it's got a, oh, go on. I'm sorry, it, it works with Project GC to do the counties, is that correct? No. No, okay, no. I've got uh, that wrong. You know, the, uh, Groundspeak doesn't track anything related to counties. And so what uh, GeoGo does when you log a find, it looks at the cache's coordinates and then reverse geocodes it to the county and you know the the, the uh, you know state and county information about that location. Okay. So once the app has the county information, it 
that records it internally and um, shades the, the county map. Uh, it's, it's independent of any other uh, app like Project GC. Oh, okay. You can also download your My Finds pocket query and pre-build the database. Uh, so you can immediately have all your county finds displayed on the, the app. Oh. Okay, that's really useful for those county hounds out there. I know a lot of people are trying to find counties and their states and all all the states really. <laughs> some yeah. people that, are yeah, that's every a, state. That's, that seems to be a big thing for some people. Uh, it's also got a built-in where I go player. Uh, I was not happy with the other Android where I go app. It just seemed very archaic and old and buggy. So I wrote my own and it's built into GeoGo so you don't have to use a different app. It's all in, fully integrated and uh, uses some of the more advanced mapping features of, of Geo uh, for where I go activities. So you still download the where I go cartridge, but then you just load it through GeoGo instead of having to open another app? Is that how Correct. it works? Correct. Okay. It, uh, Groundspeak updated the API to allow us partners to download directly from the website without having to enter a where I go username and password. Uh, the other app, where you go, you've got to store that inside the app, your credentials to be able to do a download. But the uh, API partner apps don't have to do that anymore. Okay. If they if they have, if they're doing where I go, put it that way. I know the iOS app does that, and uh, Geo also downloads cartridges directly from GroundSpeak servers uh, without having to use a website. Okay. Do you have anything integrated with Adventure Labs, or is that still separate from GeoGo? It's using the latest API where we can see the adventure labs on a map and then selecting it you can open up the adventure lab app it's okay. it's what the official does and it's what the uh, uh the, the the limits i guess of, of the, the partner apps uh, api partner apps are allowed to do is just see them on a map and then open the adventure lab app from, okay. from that. Okay. So looking at your website, and I will link to the GeoGo website in the show notes because it had it lists all the it, it's just mind-boggling all the features you have listed there. But some of the ones that stuck out to me were the answer sheet, the trackable scanner, a solution checker, and a nearby notification. Yes, all of those are pretty slick, and you, you'll have to remind me which ones you, you said. But the, I'll start at the beginning with the uh, answer sheet. That was another one of those things that I built for myself, but it's very valuable for others in that when I was doing answers for virtuals or, or earth catches, earth caches, uh, yeah, I'd have to write it down on a piece of paper or something, and now geo lets you pop up a little 
uh, sheet, an, an answer sheet at the bottom of the screen to start recording uh, the answers for virtuals and earth caches. And it will save it. So you can uh, save it with the cache. You can uh, go do another one, come back to it, and, and uh, update the answers or whatever. When you're done, then it will take that answers uh, in, that you've that's stored internally and send it to the cache owner via the message or email and ah. pre-populate the message or email with the answers and the name of the cache and the GC code and all that. So it, it makes it very easy now to uh, record answers and send them off to an owner. Oh, that's nice. Yes. So how does the trackable scanner work? Is that track them like based on the image i literally just hold it in my hand it, it's going to scan the code for me is that right yes it's it's a it's a, a built-in camera scanner and it will look at the uh, the um, trackable code and do some character recognition on it and try to pull out the uh, trackable code that will then be used to log uh, that, that, that trackable. You can also store trackables so that you can do bulk uh, visits when you uh, see a cache or you can do a bulk logging. So it takes the place of other apps that do scanning and there's a, also a website that, that uh, log them all or something like that, that does a bulk logging of uh, trackables and uh, Geo replaces both of those. Okay, so if I those. have five trackables in my inventory, it'll, I can use GeoGo to log the visit of all five trackables at once to once. a geocache. Yes. Wow. And you can that, you can have it where it's even there's auto logging of uh, trackable visits when you log a, a cache log or you know a find. So it, there's it again. It's, it, for those who do a lot of trackables, it's very valuable that you can scan and do bulk logging or auto logging uh, visits uh, when you're looking at caches and logging them. That's a time saver. Yes, we get for that. It's all like I keep going back to every time I've done something that I feel like it's too much effort on my part. I get I'm kind of lazy, so I <laughs> build a build a feature into the app, so it saves me time. So you just get a lot of your feature ideas from going. How can I make my geocaching life easier for myself? Yes, and then others <laughs> will uh, offer ideas too on um, what nice. they would like to see. So with the trackables, so if somebody is using the, the GroundSpeak app currently and they want to start using the GeoGo app, GeoGo won't be able to look at your current trackable inventory, will it? Like you'll, you'll have to scan. No, I mean, it, it knows. It, it, the API allows okay, so it just apps access to what's recorded at GroundSpeak. You know, okay. So if you've got, a, if you've got a, a trackable inventory, the, the scanner is only valuable when you are finding a new trackable out in the field. 
So GeoGo can pretty much see anything that you already have on your GroundSpeak app as far as your, your yes. information goes. Okay. Yes. Yes, because I mean, all, all the partner apps are pointing to the same GroundSpeak servers that have that data. Okay, so it just, it's just pinging off whatever they're giving you access to, basically. Exactly. Okay. So what is the solution checker? I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say that that is for the mystery puzzle caches. Yes, the, uh, uh, there's two levels to that. Uh, puzzle caches usually have some kind of checker in it. There are several third-party checkers out there, and GeoGo will scan the description to see if there is a, uh, a checker for it, like one of the third-party checkers. And if there is, it, it creates a button so that you can quickly and more easily open that checker on the website. So you're, okay. uh, so you're, look, you're working on a a puzzle and it's got a checker it's a third party checker it can open up that website and let you uh, verify the coordinates uh, or the, uh, your answers okay and the sec second level is that ground speak came out with their own uh, checker uh, and they provided an api so that the partner apps can have access to submit answers without having to use a website. So similar to the answer sheet that we talked about earlier, if the GroundSpeak solution checker is embedded in the description, it will, or available via the API, then it will let you open up a little bottom sheet and enter solution coordinates and then it gives you 10 tries to uh, validate uh, that answer. And you don't have to go to a website. So it's, it's a fully integrated solution checker inside uh, the app. And some of the neat things about this is that you don't even have to open up a description to know what the third party checker is. Geo knows where you're going or what, what uh, checker to use and with, even without opening the description you can submit answers to it by uh, clicking on a, a task that says uh, open checker uh, it's it's the same thing that 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 happens with the uh, uh, virtuals and earth caches you don't even have to open up the, the cache either from a list an offline list you can uh, select that cache and open up the answer for it, or the answer sheet for it, or the solution checker for it. Oh, wow. It, it geos scanning the, the descriptions and, and knowing which ones are available and what to use to um, submit answers. Is it able to do a filter search to filter out ones that have a checker available? Because sometimes they don't have them. Um, there's there's a I think a, an attribute that uh, an attribute. Speak okay. came up with, and so you can search uh, uh, when you when you're searching a, an area or want to pull down and create an offline list, you can use various attributes, and I believe one of the attributes is 
whether it has an HQ uh, checker. So you could use a combination, pull down puzzles, caches that only have the HQ checker built in. Okay. What is the nearby notification feature? Uh, another neat little thing that so if you are out driving around, Geo monitors your location and then periodically checks the uh, the geocaching database for caches nearby. So as you drive along, you may find some uh, or, or be notified of caches and right now it shows it as an Android notification. So you see that at the top and it shows you a little map uh, where it's at and you can click on it to download it to the app and then navigate to it or get more information about it. So it's a, it's a pretty slick thing. It you know, works also that if you've got an Android uh, Wear OS app, it will show the notification on it. So you can see that there's a nearby cache. The next major release of uh, Geo will introduce uh, something that no one else has ever done before. And that if you've got Android Auto in your car, it will have an app there. And those nearby notifications will show up as a map on Android Auto. Oh. So you can uh, use the uh, display unit inside your car to show where the caches are at and then select them and, and automatically drive to them. Do you have an anticipated date when that you're hoping to have it available? Uh, no, uh, I've got some other things I'm trying to wait on from Google before mm -hmm. I release uh, version 12 because there's going to be some of the bigger things in it. Okay. Uh, but I'm hoping the next few months I get that out. Can you tell us anything else that we can hopefully see in version 12? Uh, nothing yet that I want to talk about. That's kind of the, the big one. I've got a, a, a demo of what the Android Auto looks like on the website. Okay. Uh, so someone wants to preview that, but I'm, I'm trying to further speed up things in the app and improve the maps and things like that. Uh, so one of these days I will push that out, the version 12. And your app comes with support, correct? Is oh, that... yes. In, in, in terms of me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, there's a, you know, a support email and a support form. It all depends on what people want to use. There's also a Facebook group that seems uh, to be popular by some that don't want to, that, that don't want to use email or the form. They can uh, post something on Facebook. Okay. So since your app is pinging back to the GroundSpeak servers, I'm guessing that it works the same for premium caches. You have to have the premium membership to be able to access the information and log it. 
Yes, that, well, it's, it's good you, you point out because GeoGo is a, it requires premium membership. Okay. Uh, so it won't run if you have a basic membership. Uh, GroundSpeak imposes limitations on basic memberships. Uh, given the nature of GeoGo, it's just, there's just no value to a, a basic membership. Uh, you know, they'll never take come close to using any of the, any of the features with uh, Go. So I've uh, made it a, a, a premium only. And so once you're a premium only, then yes, you'll see premium caches and be able to log them. Okay. For somebody who's new to your app, what is maybe the most helpful feature for them to start with in your opinion? I mean, you, you have a lot of amazing features, obviously. It's, it's almost a little overwhelming when you first get into the app. Yeah, the, the thing that I think new users should uh, realize, it is a completely different user paradigm in that it focuses on offline lists. So the other apps always seem to just focus on a live map. I've got a live map, I'm working from that. But since GeoGo is for more advanced geocaching, it uh, really uses and encourages the use of offline lists. So you may build various offline lists for different adventures you're going to go on, uh, maybe a list for uh, your DNFs that you want to track or do a, a list for each day of a multi-day geocaching outing or trip uh, or you've created a, an offline list for a particular city or some area uh, and that's its forte and that's what it excels at and no one else really does or seems to concentrate on is this idea that you have multiple offline lists to work from. I think once someone gets that uh, understanding, then the whole app becomes much easier to comprehend. If all you wanna do is uh, open a, a live map, you can do that, uh, but you're not taking advantage of the power of, of GEO. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about these offline lists. So I would create a list and it's going to download the information for those caches to my phone or how exactly is it is it reading the information that it needs to find the geocaches well there's there's several ways to get off to, to create offline lists you can do a search and, and with the search you can enter a variety of criteria that will talk to the ground speak servers and then download those caches that meet that criteria and then it's, you know, saves it as a an offline list you can also download a pocket query or a gpx file or a geo tour so there's multiple ways of creating an offline list you could also be looking at a live map and pan the map and zoom in to an area uh, where there's some geocaches and then from that map save all of those to an offline list and then it just it just makes it easier that uh, how you want to create a list sometimes I, I want to go on a trip so i will uh, pan the map 
look at an area along the highway, save those to an offline list, move the map a little further, save those to an offline list or select certain ones I see on the map and save that to the offline list. I'm just building things that I want to uh, go after when I'm uh, out caching. So it's just a very powerful way of managing offline lists. You can download the lists uh, in light mode, which is what the default way GroundSpeak does its lists, which means that it's fast, but then you have to download a, more information per cache when you want to get and see more data about that cache. Okay. Or you can download full, which would mean that the entire offline list is fully populated with offline data. So you can truly go offline and, you know, and be in an area where you don't have network connection and, and you know, run you know, in an airplane mode or completely offline and have all the data downloaded uh, to the app. Okay, so you can go out in the absolute middle of nowhere. And instead of having to create a file on a handheld GPS, you're going to have all the information right there on your phone if you do it that way. Exactly. Now, I, a lot of people don't fully understand that. They think that you need cell service for the GPS satellites. No, you don't. They're, they're two separate networks. And you can have basically any app do that where it can run totally offline by having downloaded offline lists like you would do to a, a, a GPSR device. Um, and offline maps so you're completely off the network okay nice that's good information to know so uh, we've covered a variety of different things but is there anything else about the app that you think people should know about uh i mentioned briefly earlier that there is a Android Wear OS component. So you could push a geocache down onto your watch and then from the watch, see it on the map and then open the compass on it and navigate to it uh, from your watch. And the advantage of that is that there's been times I'm out in the woods and I don't want to drop my phone. And, and so you're, you have made a, a a hiking stick in one hand and your phone in the other. You don't want to do that. So you can have your watch uh, used for navigating. And then when you get to the cache, you can uh, pull your phone back out of your pocket and uh, record it or log it then. So does that work with any Android compatible smartwatch then? Uh, Wear OS. It's, it's not OS. Avail okay. available like on a uh, Samsung Galaxy watch, okay. except that, that Samsung just recently announced their future watches will be Wear OS compatible. Okay, so, so the, the newer Samsung watches will be able to uh, run GeoGo on it too. Okay. Um, you mentioned a subscription earlier. Um, can you tell us more about what the subscription is? Uh, so there's a lot of the features inside the Geo use third-party services. Uh, 
and those third-party services charge me uh, for access. So if I don't have additional and continuing revenue for those services, they just it will just they will bleed me dry. Right. And I won't be making any money. So the subscription helps pay for uh, those uh, additional service charges. Again, just to be clear, the subscription is optional and you do not have to have the subscription to run GeoGo. You can run GeoGo after just the initial purchase. The subscription is optional if you want those additional features beyond the basic GeoGo app. Okay. So it is a great way for GeoGo lovers to help support the app so that we can keep it going. Right. And I, I think that's, that, that's true for all apps. It's really uh, confusing to me sometimes that, uh, that people think apps should be free or think it's difficult to pay uh, a few dollars for an app uh, or uh, even a subscription when you consider how much you spend on gas or food while you're out geocaching. App, geocaching apps are the cheapest aspect of geocaching. Yeah, they really is. It, it's just, I mean, I just kind of said, yeah, someone can easily spend money uh, for a sandwich while they're out. That costs <laughs> several times more than an app would cost. And, and the app lasts, you know, forever for, for the most part. And you said that subscription was 99 cents for six months? Yes. Wow. So, so for just under $2 a year, you can support GeoGo. Right. And, uh, and that's why I, I, I really think all developers are starting to head towards a subscription model uh, because it's just not sustainable for developers to spend all their time on apps for a one-time payment. And if you look in the past, there's uh, half a dozen Android geocaching apps that have disappeared uh, and the developers stopped working on them. And I think a lot of that's due to it just wasn't worth it to them anymore. Right. So uh, it, it, it's for all apps, you know, support developers. And, you know, if you want good quality apps, you know, fund them to uh, have them continue to enhance the app and improve it. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, they hear, well, if, you know, when you're not on the developer side of it, you just look at and go, I, I've already spent, you know, however much, five, six, seven, eight, ten dollars on an app. Why should I have to pay another subscription on top of it? But when you break it down, explain it like that. Well, if you want the app to keep developing, the support right. has to be there in order to do it. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think that kind of helps people, the way you broke it down, helps shed light and sort of explain it. And for your subscription, 99 cents for six months. I mean, like you said, most that's, people are going to spend more on a bottle of water when they're out geocaching or gas right. to get there. But I mean, you, you spend the money for uh, membership uh, to uh, ground speak. 
that you spend money monthly on your cell phone. Yeah. Uh, we all have charges that are uh, a monthly. It, it's just at some point, I think it got stuck in people's heads that apps should be cheap or free, uh, uh, particularly on the Android side. Uh, but again, um, that's not a sustainable model for developers. And you can see how app developers are trying to break that and, and go more to a, a subscription model. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if that was our future in the next few years of a subscription model like that. Right. Warning, this part of the show contains spoilers for the cache that is about to be discussed. So each week we do a cache highlight, or I should say each episode there's a cache highlight. And when I asked you, you mentioned that you did an eight cache that was very memorable. And I think everybody would love to hear about that because they are very few and far in between these days. Cache code GC1169. Difficulty rating one, terrain rating three. The description reads, this cache is an eight project cache, a cache hidden with permission for the Planet of the Apes promotion in 2001. Mountain, Bike, and Jeremy were the original covert placers of the cache, but Mountain Bike has since taken over complete ownership. When the cache was placed, it contained a torch from the movie. The description in green below is the original description for the cache. Project Ape success continues as our movement continues to grow beyond what we ever thought possible. For this mission, we are heading back to the Northwest where we are sure to keep our momentum going. Our confidence as a group is growing, but don't let our past success blind us to the constant threat we face. We still hear and receive daily reports of undercover federal agents starking our team. Remain diligent and stay alert. Remember, anyone you don't know is a possible enemy to our mission. Below is our field agent's report for the mission at hand. This mission is not going to be an easy one. The hike will not be as scenic as some of the other missions, but you will be on a great adventure. You'll need to wear a good pair of waterproof boots or an old pair of sneakers. A flashlight is necessary even if you go during the day. This is a creepy, historical, and very cool spot. Be ready for a unique hike, but beware because in parts you'll be sitting ducks for the authorities. So move fast and keep a good eye on your back to make sure you're not tailed. Good luck. Yes, if for the listeners who don't know, uh, there was a very old geocaching type called an ape cache that was put out for some anniversary of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, movie series and I thought there was like only five or six I don't know they were placed around the world and some of them have been uh, have disappeared and archived so there's very few remaining uh, of those and there was one and it's back again uh, near uh, headquarters uh, in Seattle's in Seattle. <clears throat> and I went to uh, the last ground speak block party they had. And as part of that event, they also had an ape event. And uh, the thing about the, the uh, cache to reach it, you have to hike or bike through this two mile abandoned railroad tunnel 
through the middle of a mountain. And there's no lights on the inside. So you're going in total darkness. If you, you know, you've got uh, flashlights with you, you can see maybe the other end of the tunnel and a little light and you hike through that for two miles. And you get on the outside, on the, uh, the outside other end. And it's a, just a breathtaking view of the mountains. And the, the, uh, one of the original ape caches is there. I found uh, a replica because the original had been lost or stolen, but they did recover it. So now if you go back there, you get to uh, find their very original uh, ape cache that was placed uh, years ago. So it's a strenuous hike to get there. It's very rewarding thinking this is a very rare geocache to get. And if anyone ever has the opportunity, I would suggest doing that and just make sure you're able to hike that length or rent a bike or something to go through it. That definitely bring a flashlight along with yes. you as well. And, and, and water and food and uh, all that. <laughs> wow. Wow. So you're looking at four miles round trip of beautiful scenic view and a rare geocache. Yes. Wow. Yes. So, okay. So when you get through this tunnel, what are we looking for? Is it, I, I mean, are, are you getting all the way over there and then you got to look for a nano or is it something? Oh no, it's a, <laughs> it's a huge ammo can. Okay. And it's not hidden to, you know, to where you, you struggle to find it. It's, I, I forgot, 1,000 feet or 1,200 uh, feet away from the tunnel opening. Okay. Uh, and it's easy to find. It's just a, it's a, uh, there's some, a big stump and rocks and it's, it's chained down now. So it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, so it's, and if you go in an event like that, so I, I went with uh, as a, an event. So there are a lot of other ev event uh, attendees going through the tunnel and uh, meeting on the other end. And so we were all signing the log, taking turns. Uh, and so it, and I, I kind of recommend that too. So just in case you had any problems, there are others around to help you out. Uh, going in or out or finding the cash. So when you did it as the event, like how roughly how many others were were there in the tunnel with you looking for this cash? Oh gosh, uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there, there's probably at least 300 or more uh, people that day, not all at the same time, but um, as I'm walking we've got i've got people passing me uh sometimes i'm passing people but so there's every 50 100 feet at least there's a, a, a two or three others uh hiking through the tunnel it's quite a busy day for that tunnel i imagine <laughs> yes and so on that you know there in uh, people come sit down and, and visit uh, and it just it gets a little bit of a it was a little bit of a party atmosphere uh, going in and out. That's really neat. Thank you so much 
for talking with me today and, and telling us more about your app and sharing your eight cash experience with us. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and doing that. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me. It's, it's, uh, it was fun to meet you at MOGA and it, it's uh, fun to talk about things like this. It, it, it was. It, so you are one of the very few interviewees that I've actually got to meet in person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was nice to get to meet you there and, and talk to you a little bit and finally meet Mike. Cause that was the first time I've met him, even though I have texted with him and talked to him on the phone a few times. So yes. it, it was nice getting to meet both of you there. And I hope MOGA went well for you. Yes. Uh, I hadn't been to MOGA for many years and, and, since the pandemic, I hadn't done any events, so it was a good time for me to, uh, to finally get back out and go to a, a mega event. And you used GeoGo while you were there, right? Because if of you course. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> of, of, of course. Like I said, I, that, uh, the, the 12,000 caches have been found with different versions of the app. And so it's, it, you, you don't need a dedicated GPS. Apps work fine. Uh, I've never had problems with the GPS and finding the, the, the caches. So it's, uh, apps are, are, are the way to go. Uh, if you just are a bit careful, you don't drop it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the dedicated ones are good if, uh, if you want something more durable and maybe a longer lasting battery. Um, so it all depends on what you uh, feel more comfortable with. That makes perfect sense. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate this. Uh, I hope you have a great evening. You too, Amy. Thank you for listening to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and photos, all sent in by geocachers like you. In fact, some of the guests that you've heard on this show have submitted articles to Geocacher Magazine. They have all kinds of neat stuff and publish achievements that are sent in by Geocacher. So if you have an achievement you want to celebrate, send it in and they will add it to the magazine. It is really cool. I recommend it. I subscribe to it myself and I love it. Go check it out at ftfgeo.com. That's ftfgeo. Com and let them know Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Do you have a topic you'd like to hear more about? Let me know at geocacheadventures.org. Go over to the contact page and you can send me a message there. It has the podcast email that you can email me to. Or you can reach out to Shadow Dragon 1 on geocaching.com. Geocacheadventures.org also has a store page now. You can go over there geocacheadventures.org and click on the store page in the menu bar and check it out. Got some great stuff over there for you.